Let's wake and bake with the boys Pull out some weed and get high Dude smoking on the bong while Scotty's talking Way too long, got time to smoke one more Taking the message to the people now Keep smoking and growing and watching prohibition fall down What's going on, guys? We're hanging out with Steve from Potent Ponics. You might have heard before, man. I didn't prep well. I was gonna. I usually like to have the episode number, but it's been a while since you're on the show, Steve. Yeah, it was uh, all the way back in episode 49. Was <laughs> nice. All right, thank you. Help me, help me keep it correct. And of course, Mr. Real is. Uh, are you on the mic? Yo, hanging out, amigo, hanging out. Sweet. Well, yeah, we're gonna get into. It sounds like we we've talked a minute before the show. All kinds of stuff, everything from uh, Steve's going to be doing some stuff down in Jamaica, Scotty wants to talk about bio balls and deep water culture, and I want to talk about how the hell do I start growing aquaponically indoors. So, uh, and yeah, why don't you, uh, I don't want to, I guess I'll say plug, where, where can people find you now? And yeah, let's let's get an update on what, what you've been up to. Can I first say welcome, Steve, man? Welcome there to we the go. show, amigo. Good to hang out, man. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Uh, I <clears> bumped into Scotty not too long ago, and... It's always good to be on the show. I listen to you guys pretty religiously, and uh, I always love being on. So thanks for having me on again. Me and Steve have a special bond, man, because Steve is from my hometown, man, like where I was born and shit, man. So old school, man. Love it. Yep. And I also didn't mention, yeah, Steve has been, I don't know how long you've been in aqua. You're like an authority on aquaponics, basically, and, and really aquaponics and cannabis, and that's, of course, why we like to hang and have you on the show. So uh, what? By the way, Tell the me. only one I know, so <laughs> you've got that monopolized, my brother. <laughs> Let's start with a little a little growing, and then, Scotty, get into your bio balls. I'm always curious. I have down in my basement now, I've always kept a five. It's just like a little habit of mine, like a little five-gallon mini fish tank. Had a crawdad in there for a while, or crayfish, if you will. Uh, now I've got a couple frogs, and it's limiting, you know, i got small amount of fish. I don't use any, just an air stone, real simple setup, and now I finally put, uh, I tried to do a clone to take root in there, and that didn't work out too well. But now I've got this aggressive uh, vine houseplant that I just took a cut off of, and I'm trying to get it to pop roots, and not, it just gets me thinking how I would want to grow cannabis like that, because I want to, as my growing career goes on, try as many styles as possible, but I'm intimidated by... Oh man, how much volume? What, what do I need? I, do I need to get a hundred gallon reservoir and these fish? And how long will it take to get going? Are we simplifying that process, or it's hard to because it's just nature and time? No, uh, absolutely. Um, you can do it as simply as just a normal flood and drain table with a normal sump, and have a few fish in the bottom of your sump, and you know just adjust your nutrients accordingly with your normal setup you already have. And as long as your sump is large enough to, to now, what do you mean your fish, sump? Like, like your reservoir? Your reservoir. I'm sorry. Your how reservoir. many and how many gallons to do? You know, to do it right. Like I'm gonna grow under uh, a typical. That's like a thousand watt, like a four by four, five by five area. How many? How much water volume do I need to support that? Sure. So the smallest we've managed to do a single three by three or four by four is with about 55 gallons, and that was with a very heavily stocked fish tank um, that we had set up specifically, uh, similar to like an overflow wet dry for a, a saltwater aquarium would be, and that ran down to a reservoir that was exchanged with the um, with the grow table. Uh, and it worked extremely well, but that's about as small as you can go. You can go down to as small as 30, 30 gallons if you just want to do like two plants. Uh-huh. But, you know, you really need to stock, you know, that thing needs to be absolutely filled with fish. Can you use those 55 gallon, the 50, I don't know if they're 55, the, the drums, do those work? I mean, obviously oh, yeah. it depends on what was in them before. You want to get a fresh one, et cetera, but okay. So that's a very common reservoir people could find almost anywhere to get set up with. And how many, like tilapia, is that you're going to use in there or? Goldfish, or I want your best flowering fish, man. Give me the blue yes. booster fish. <laughs> so, um, the best, the cheapest source, as you were saying, is the 55 gallon drums or IBC totes, or another great way you can cut them apart and make a grow bed. Ah, and, those uh, are those big tank. thousand liter fertilizer totes, right? Like 275 yep. gallon totes. Yeah, that would be a good one. Yeah, they make great outdoor beds um, or even indoor beds, uh, depending on how high you cut them. Um, and then as far as fish goes, um, ideally, I actually have two separate systems downstairs and in my uh, in my grow lab. And 
the one main system is tilapia, but if you're aiming more for flour and you have the option of having two separate systems, definitely go with more herbivores because herbivores will put out more phosphorus-heavy waste compared to carnivores. So essentially, you can have two reservoirs. One's for you know better works better for vegetative growth, and one works better for the har- or f- uh, flowering, just because of what the fish are eating. Uh, yeah. So depending on the fish's diet. You know what goes in one end of the fish comes back out the under, the other, and Whoa, depending man, this on uh, my mind, man. <laughs> and uh, depending on how much of of what nutrient you're looking to put through them, um, I know I definitely switch my fish to a much more heavily vegetative diet in the flower in the flower system. You know they're getting veggies uh, five times a week, and and you know other stuff just two days a week, whereas the other guys get you know pretty much a mishmash all all week long. Got it. Wow. Now, you've figured out some things, though. I think last time we talked, I don't know, since then, have you dialed in, I like, if you want to add, change something in the fish's diet for this this week or this prime time of or finishing, or um, could you make it, yeah, have you figured out different types of food to give the fish that you would get, dial it down that specific and be like, well, usually when I go into week six of bloom, I start to feed them this way because I notice uh, something with flavor. I don't know. Yeah, I'm gonna, sure. I'm even going to ask if you flush. At the, you know, it's kind of the same question, man. But sure, and that's a great, uh, great question. So we actually use a planting method called dual root zone planting, where uh, it's similar to like your hempy buckets. Yeah, where the I was bottom half say. of the the bottom half is the uh, hydrogen pellets, and then we use a layer of burlap or other root permeable cloth. Okay. And then we put our soil on top, and then the bottom half of the pot is normal flood and drain, and that's constantly flooding and draining with a plastic, hard plastic sealed pot. And what that does is it acts like a diaphragm so that you're, it, it forces that air that's trapped in the bottom of that pot either up through the soil layer or drafting new air down, and it almost works like a lung or a diaphragm to help breathe uh, in your root zone, and you get real good gas exchange, um, as anybody that does hydro knows. Um, but we run them constantly. We don't we don't have a timer, 15 minutes on or 45 minutes off. Um, but yes, um, going back to the original question, uh, we do change up the flowering. Um, in, in flour, we add more, much more heavy sugars and much more vegetables and that type of thing. Uh, whereas in flour or in veg, I'm sorry, um, we use a lot more of the um, you know, pellets and insects and worms and that kind of thing um, because it produces more nitrogen, which is what we want more of in, in the vegetative state. And the sugars and vegetative and the vegetables, they uh, they produce more phosphorus? So the phosphorus helps um, with the flour, and then the sugars help by keeping your microbial activity very high. Um, as I'm sure you know, uh, molasses is an extremely good uh, um, you know, a stimulant for, for microbes. And, sure. Uh, you know, you can use pineapple juice. You can use, uh, you know, sugar cane. You can use a whole wide range of different stuff. You don't want to use bleached sugar, but um, you can use sucrose. Um, we've done testing with ethanols and all different kinds of stuff. You know, to to see which microbes, you know, react to that. Yeah, it's so funny you say that, man. I talk to my formulator sometimes, and he'll tell me he's like, "Oh yeah, use a," you know, he's like, "It's basically just uh, you know, unbleached table sugar," and I'm like, "Nah." He's like, "Oh yeah, some microbes love that." And I'm like, "No way." Yeah, the the key to getting a really healthy microbe culture is to really vary your inputs. You know, you want a a, a varied amount of of um, uh, sugar inputs, and some, depending on what you're doing, some uh, sometimes even you know a few ethanols. I love if my nitrogen's too high in in flour, especially in my aquaponic system. I'll do something called vodka dosing because the uh, yeah, the bacteria man, that done that, that, one that time, out bro. will. Well, well, I used to do it in reef tanks and saltwater all the time, and it works extremely well at lowering your nitrates, especially if, you, if your nitrates creep up on you in flour. It's a great, you know, kind of oh crap button to hit. Wait, what, you called it vodka dosing? Vodka dosing, yes. Yeah, I did that in middle school, man. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, This type of system and this size, I'm assuming we're, we're more having the fish to feed the plants. We're probably not going to be really harvesting many fish, like as far as for human consumption. So it really depends on the size of your system. Um, you know, I have two. My veg system downstairs is about six or seven hundred gallons, and I can pull a fish out of there if I want to eat them. You know, maybe one or a week, or one every other week if I wanted to. Um, I don't have. I have a few tilapia in there, and I just give them away. Um, but I'll, um, my other system, I just have a few koi in because I don't want as much waste, and I don't want them breeding out of control. And how long can the tilapia live for in a system? Sure. So tilapia can live to be ten or twelve years old. Uh, oh man, you gotta be making man. friends and and being buddies with them. Like I'd have a hard time getting one out of there and just being like, "All right, time to go in the skillet, buddy." 
I pick them up every now and again, look at them, be like, you know how much weed you've grown me, man? <laughs> yeah. Throw them back yeah. in. I do keep the biggest two. I have a king and queen in there, and they're the prettiest. And they, uh, they're all this. You know, they provide a bunch of new babies, and you know, never, never harvest your biggest two because they're the ones that are going to keep new, new fish coming. You know, it's kind of like you never want to harvest your mother plants. Yeah, man, this is just like genetics, man. Man, you said six or seven hundred gallon system in in your in your basement. Mm-hmm. Dang, that's a lot of volume. Like, what? Or there's just well, think huge... about those totes, though, man. Those big square fertilizer totes. I mean, shit. Good luck getting them down your stairs. But you know, they're 275 gallons, man. You know, so that's mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. You can make, you know, three of those, man. You got yourself almost. Uh, you know, I could do the math if I wanted to. All right, man. <laughs> well, and and I before I got one more question, Scotty. Before sure. we go over to those uh, bio balls, because I'm kind of curious too if this deep water culture. But um, as far as getting into the uh, the system with the more volume, right, it's probably the same as hydroponics. I mean, with an extent, a 55-gallon reservoir system is probably going to be a little bit harder to maintain with pH fluctuations and things where the more water volume you have, to an extent, the easier it is on you as the grower. I mean, is this, once you learn all the basics of aquaponics, is it really time-consuming or you start to get to that, you know, nature's, chugging along and when things are dialed in you're really not doing too much to to spend time in the grow oh yeah i know the most of my time i spend down there is trimming my mothers because they grow so freaking fast (laughs) nice i mean that's that to be honest with you that's the majority of my uh, probably a third of my time down in my grow um the rest of it is just you know making sure that you're watering your top layer um we do top feed them um just to have some amount of supplement Um, we have a separate way we've been working on that i I'm not quite ready to talk about that we might be able to get around some of that and still do aquaponic production, um, but we're still testing that at the moment. No, well, you say your top feed them. What's your so- is it cocoa or what's your mix on your top layer above the burlap? Sure. So I love to use a really heavy cocoa um, regular soil compost mix. So I'll mix like a, um, uh, something like Coco Loco or one of your other heavier okay. cocoa products in with a... Um, um, you know, something like Ocean Floor or one of your other richer, I'm just using those two as an example as a base, but you could find those two pretty, pretty easily. But, um, you know, just something like that and doing like a 50 50. Okay, um, with cocoa and then a, uh, like a, a heavier mix. What, now you said top feed. Mm-hmm. So you're supplemental feeding a little bit with like yep. a liquid nutrient or something. You're pr- are you pretty restricted in what you can use there or can, what products are you using? I'm just curious as far as how am I doing like quarter strength base newts? Sure. So um, how it works is I have we spent the last two years dialing in the exact nutrient levels that were fish tolerable and and everything else and and what the cannabis plant wants and I have really tight PPM ranges that I'm aiming for um, and then we we do a real low dose in the main system that's fish tolerable and then we can boost anything we need to um, in the soil layer and how we'd prevent from overwatering is before we do the the very first plant we put the the soil in the pot halfway soil halfway with the hydrogen right on then we take a a measuring cup and we pour in water and uh, real slow until we see it start to drip out the bottom then we measure how much we had poured out uh and with that go a little less and then we do about half as much and then i know as as long as i do about half as much i can supplement that volume with with anything i want nice that's pretty simple but very very cool you know just keep it basic and so you know you're not running off anything that would harm your 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 fish environment, and I know this this I still haven't had the time, Steve. I'm sorry we've never gotten together. He's offered many times to be like, man, if you want to know what it's all about, come try my island sweet skunk. Like, if you want to have some flavor, I mean, the, well, what are the uh, the attributes? Are not just obviously it's really cool to be able to grow like this, but the end product with the end flower. Do you sure. do you notice, and I'm sure you have, like, okay, this exact same strain was grown by my buddy over here in a regular pot of soil. This is the, this is it grown aquaponically. As far as uh, yield difference, flavor difference, potency differences, and in, in the flower, what are the things you're seeing there? Sure. So um, the biggest comparisons are one we can produce without having to dump our reservoirs at all which is really, really great. So you're not wasting water or having no high water bill or right. not being suspicious about why you're using so much water, um, depending on where you live. Um, 
The next thing is the flavor is really good because you're only, um, you know, you're not using a whole lot of, of fertilizer. We're only using about 30% of the supplements that we were before, you know, in either in mm-hmm. soil or in hydro because fish food is is the bulk of the, the the stuff. The only downside is if you don't lower your nitrogen in flour enough, it can make the buds slightly less dense than the other ones would be. But we've had no problem at all matching or beating yields with soil or hydroponics. Um, about two years ago, or a little over two and a half years ago, is when we started to match yields, and we've, you know, just kind of been tinkering since then and and trying to get everything dialed in. Because the biggest thing coming into aquaponic production when I came, started this was that no one had any kind of, you know, this is a list of fish-safe nutrient stuff that you can use that's not going to kill your stuff, and this is the dosing that you can use that's not going to kill everything. And you know, just having to get to that point, you know, and working with the with the aquaponics source when I worked there in their lab and R&D and everything else. Where do you so, recommend people get that info? I mean, do you, have you, are you going to write the aquaponic grow Bible or what? Like, it definitely yeah. sounds like, um, yeah, what's the, the best direction for people to learn? Just as you said, there's a lot to learn. Sure. So I've been working on a book for the, about the past year and a half. Um, but I also do um, a YouTube. You can, guys can check out my on, on YouTube on Potent Ponics. Um, I do different topics and different videos all the time. Um, depending on what questions I get and what I have available. And You're going to make your book an audio book, too, or else Scotty's not going to be able yeah. to. <laughs> yeah, man. Need, need the audio book, man. Absolutely. I'll read yes. a chapter of it, man. <laughs> Listen to the rest. <laughs> All right. What do you got, Scotty? I, I want to learn about I, got, I do have a question, man. Before we go into the, uh, the whole bioball deal, is there a way to use the aquaponics as a supplement to enhance your flavors i mean I, you know i'm not probably not going to go full aquaponics but if sure. i could keep a couple reservoirs oh, with some good with some fish yeah. and then maybe on my plain water days just pull the uh you know the, the you know a few gallons of water out of there every week or something like that you know almost like when i had a saltwater tank the i lived right by the ocean so the easiest way to take care of it was to cheat and just dump about 25 percent of the water out once a month and just replace it with clean water you know so and that kept the fish nice and healthy i wonder if i were to do that and then use that that uh water that i pumped out to water my plants with once a week or twice you know once every that's other what week. i do on my my little tank on such a micro scale scott i'm glad you asked that like i'll always take a little out and give it to some of my house plants or you know it's always getting refreshed a little that's probably why I get away with running no filter on it. But, yeah, that's yeah. a good question. What and do you think? One of the takeaways I heard from Steve was he said the more different sources you put in, the happier your fish are. I think that's kind of the same thing that, that, that I experience with my plants. The more different sources of, of nutrients that I put in, it seems like they're absorbed slightly differently. They make different uh, bacteria and different fungi uh, thrive. And it just seems to give me some different flavors, you know. So that's what I'm after is that dang flavor, man. So what you got for me, Steve? Sure. So the best way if you're looking to get started um, and just kind of dabble a little bit would be to set them up and put your veg plants in the aquaponic system where they're going to behave almost identical even uh, with just even with just regular fish waste, assuming you keep your, your pH dialed in without much, even much supplementation. Um, or in uh, late flower, so you know your last three or four week, uh, you know three to four weeks, um, or even last two weeks if you're just going to do a two week flush. Um, you know, just use the aquaponic water. You can feed with the fish water, and it will leave no negative taste behind. If anything, it leaves more of an earthy That's plant flavor. Thinking. Yeah, it, it really does. It really helps bring out the the individual plant flavors. Well, if I'm feeding with plant water as well, or like Scotty said, because I've been thinking about getting a, a bigger tank just to have some fun with, and uh, it's you're giving some base, definitely some nutrients because of the fish waste. Uh, then also, are you adding, I'm assuming you're adding a different type of bacteria or something good to the to the plant root zone, even if it's not in an aquaponic system, it's just a plant um, potted in cocoa, you know? So using the plant water, is there bacteria and good stuff in the in the plant water? Oh, yeah. So whenever you have an aquarium with the fish in it, there's the nitrifying bacteria, nitrosoma, nitrospira, and your other nitrifying bacteria um, that, are, you know, break down the nitrogen as well as, you know, there's a bunch of others that do phosphorus and some of the others that are all specifically to aquatics. And that's one of the best ways of, of growing in aquaponics, especially with dual root zone. And one of the reasons why we've had, um, or one of the, the reasons why we think we've had some of really interesting early cannabinoid testing against soil and hydro uh, off the same mothers is that, you know, we can run a 50-50 root zone where the bottom half is fully aquatic microbes and the top half is all your terrestrial 
mycorrhizae oh, and terrestrial microbes. So you're getting 200% more microbes in your root zone and in two completely different biomes, you know, aquatic and terrestrial, and one that's more fungal dominant and one that's not. Um, and, and they're completely different putting in inputs and minerals into the plant on completely different ways, different levels, different times of day, um, and they're all working together. Yeah, I like, that's, that's the party. Now the only the, now I'm thinking, like, I'll just go get, like, a 25-gal, 40-gal res just to have some fish, but you're the fish guy. I feel, I feel bad, like, my little 5-gallon tank's all decked out like a natural habitat, you know? I feel bad putting the fish, like, in just, like, the white wall room, like the white reservoir. Like, do I need to put up some plastic plantscape for them on the walls just so they kind of, you know, at least they're looking at something, or am I overthinking it? That's actually a really good question. It's fine to throw a few ornaments in there, but you don't want to put gravel or too much stuff in there because you don't want the fish waste to go to the bottom. You want it to go up to the fish roots, kind of like, you know, you don't you don't want yeah. to put manure in the reservoir. You Got want to it. put it up in the in the root zone, you know what I mean? So, um, and that that's what you want to do for that. I'll just get yeah. I'll get that little like I said the plant sta- plantscape stuff from that you look, put on the back of aquarium and wrap that around the reservoir wall so that will make them think they're just hanging out where they should be. Hey, <laughs> is there a fifty-five gallon drum solution that we can do? Is there a an easy setup for if, if we're going to do a fifty-five gallon drum and try to you know empty twenty-five percent of it every week? Does that make any sense? Um. So the nice thing about it is you wouldn't. So if you're doing like a reservoir, uh, like a hydro reservoir, is that what you're asking? I'm just thinking I have uh, mostly cocoa with a little bit of castings. I thought maybe if I could run a 55-gallon drum, I could maybe take uh, you know, 10, 15 gallons off it each week and just use it oh. at, when I do my once-a-week treat with the recharge. Yeah, uh, it's going to top water it in. Yeah, I'd maybe use that water as a top For water. For sure. Absolutely. And, you know, you could use your aquaponic water as your base for every single time you do you know, all of your, your growing, except right. just be mindful of how high the nitrogen is in flower. You know, uh, you know, maybe cut back on their feeding or cut it 50-50. Got it. Um, just reduce that nitrogen down a little bit. What's the uh, What type of fish would you recommend and how many for a 55-gallon drum? So for a 55-gallon drum, you know, you could probably do 20 or, or 30 of your larger feeder goldfish just fine, or maybe one or two Oscars or... Um, you know, a couple of large, maybe four or five large goldfish, if you could find a couple of ones that were 10 or 12 inches. So, I mean, that's, okay, I got you, so those big ones, and that's it, huh? That sounds pretty simple. Yeah, and, you know, it, basically how you would regulate your nutrients is that you either feed them three times a day or one time a day or feed them every other day, and then you're controlling how much is going through the fish and how much fertilizer is produced per day. It's pretty easy. I tell nice. you, I, yeah, I mean, I never really thought I would say this at the end of the interview, but, man, I think I might do aquaponics, man. I might, I might have to throw, <laughs> I got an extra 55-gallon drum, be easy enough. And Who doesn't have an extra 55-gallon drum, man? Yeah, you ain't a, you ain't a <laughs> grower unless you got a 55-gallon drum in your front yard, man. <laughs> All right, what With do you want to get? in the bottom. What do you got? Let's help. We had a question on the show. Somebody yeah. was trying to uh, incorporate, um, you know, bacteria and stuff into their deep, deep water culture system. So what was that about? It was, yeah, he was talking about these bio balls. I think he was trying to just incorporate some kind of organics. You know, deep water culture is so, you know, not natural. It's just so the, the whatever the opposite is, you know. So he's trying to incorporate some kind of uh, natural, you know, microbes in there man and i didn't really know what to tell him man i mean i i guess you know that wet dry filter that i'm thinking of that i'm sure i'm sure steve you got tons of experience with those i know those are like a, that's like a little ecosystem for microbes uh does he need to replicate that or you know what would you think as far as introducing uh you know microbes into a deep water culture system like a straight deep water culture system sure it's a, a really good question so uh, I guess the first part of that would be if he was trying to integrate his current bioballs into his, you know, Dutch buckets. We'll use that as an example for a deep water culture sure. setup. Um, that would be kind of negative to put them into the bottom of your Dutch bucket because yes, they will provide more surface area, but they're going to create a ton of dead zones in that that pot. Meaning, meaning you, you know, there's a real good chance you could get anaerobic pockets where you're going to get all kinds, you know. It could screw with your pH, and you can get all kinds of you know pythium buildup and all kinds of other stuff that you just don't want down there. Um, hey, anaerobic. I tried to really overgeneralize, but anaerobic smells like a sewer, right? When something goes anaerobic, you get that really nasty. It smells like a sewer, in my opinion. You got yeah. any other way to describe it? It's got a real sulfur smell. 
Um, you know, if you see your uh, best way to describe it is that you get a sulfur smell and then your pH is going to start rising for no reason. Um, those are two pretty good uh, common um, reasons that, you know, signs that you have uh, an anaerobic zone. Got it. Thanks. Um, and then, so if he wanted to use them, he would have to set up something, like you said, like a bio ball or uh, like a wet dry and put them in there. But the final evolution of, of kind of that type of technology for aquariums is now called an MMR or MME um, a fluidized bed filter where it has basically little tiny bio balls that are constantly moving and jostling around and spinning around. Jostling balls, man. And they're extremely, extremely well. You can, they do extremely, um, you can do a really high fish volume or a high volume of water and they will do a really, really, really good job of filtering on, on a pretty small filter, uh, you know, a large volume of water to the scale. Um, and that's, you know, if he was looking to do something that uh, and incorporate it, that's more what he would be looking for. But the biggest thing for that is just to reduce your nitrogen. I mean, it, it, it's basically a place for your nitrifying bacteria more than anything else. Got it. Um, if you were trying to get a generalized bacteria increase, you know, adding something like uh, wood or um, um, uh, uh, lava rock or one of the other, something that has a lot more surface area. Right. And putting a bag of that where it has a high flow through uh, in a different part of the system rather than underneath your, your plant roots um, is where you would want to do that. Cool. Right man. on. Right hey, on. man, will you set up a couple of videos? I'll, I'll link to them over on uh, on uh, thedogrows.com, man. And as, as much uh, space Absolutely. as you want, man, you let me know, man. I'd love to. Absolutely, yeah. I'm trying to follow. I'm trying to draw a picture in my head, but I need some videos, man, to, to, to complete the reference, man. So, yeah, let's Absolutely. do it, man. Absolutely. Sounds good to me, man. So look over so on dogrows.com, man. I'm going to throw up a few videos. And uh, potent ponics, man. Let's get this shit potent. Yeah, and before we before we wrap it up though, I want to want to tell what's what's coming up. I know you're headed to Jamaica here in just a few days, so I'm yeah officially jealous. But what what are you gonna have going on down there? Yeah, in almost exactly 48 hours, I'll be landing in Montego Bay, Jamaica, to spend now through July um, at least. Uh, that'll be the first trip, but I'll be down there a lot longer this year, building out three huge um, cannabis farms down in Jamaica. Um, where uh, one in the north coast on the Martha Bray River, one on um, the south uh, southwest down by Kingston, or southeast rather down by Kingston, and then we have a uh, over a thousand acre farm down in the southwest, um, not too far from the Black River. Um, so we'll be, uh, yeah, I'm growing a lot more than uh, than we uh, yeah, nice, ever have man. before. So when you, be when, you, when you go to Jamaica and uh, you know you go to the hotel and you get hooked up with that bag of just kind kind bud man could could be potent ponic bud man absolutely we have uh contracts with three resorts and then um depending on how everything works out uh, i don't even know if i should be uh mentioning this yet but i'm going to mention it anyway um so it looks like canada has a preliminary um import for cannabis at least they're issuing preliminary licenses and the earliest date that we were told is august 26th and first off i was shocked to have a company approach me telling me that they had a uh, potential import license to canada but then yes, first i've ever heard of the, that with the public news the other country that i heard that canada um dealt with it all was spain um i've heard there was another company out in spain about it but again i don't beyond that i i've seen a copy of my contract down in jamaica but you know, I, I can't tell you more. I can't tell you anything else that's on it other than the first date that we were told was the earliest possible, and then you know, with it probably being later than that, and that uh, it shocked the hell out of me when I when I found out. Now, are you getting on the political side in Jamaica? I heard with the cannabis cup when they were down there, they were saying that uh, this was over. Man, who was I listening to? I think it was Tommy Chong, and I can't remember who else. Some interview, but that. Um, it was really uh, um, a the way they incorporated the Rastafarians in, and not didn't step on anybody's feet, and didn't want it to be I don't know what the exact word would be, but that they're doing it right the way they're implementing legalization. Are you oh, have yeah, yeah. are you gonna have any issues? Are you tied in with? I mean, I'm assuming. Yeah. So what that's referring to is they have a 65 percent ownership law. So any company, cannabis-related company in the industry has to be 65% owned by Jamaicans. Nice. Um, so, And this company is 66% owned um, by Jamaicans, um, me being the other one. Well, I only own a stake in it, but that's a whole other. Um, but uh, the um, 
but I have my own Azure Potent Ponics, and we'll have our own little, uh, hopefully, little training facility when we're all set up and for people to come down and learn how to grow right on the beach and everything. So that's the ultimate uh, ultimate end goal of this project. I think you could pass for Jamaican, man. <laughs> and just to be started up a bit. That was an interview I was listening to with Kyle Cushman and Nico Escondido over on Kyle Cushman's talk show. But they said there was a really good event down there, and everything's turning out like it, it's it's happening great for Jamaica, and that is good to hear, man. One, how long roughly before har- your first harvest? Can you guesstimate this already and say, hey, it's uh, time? Is that's when I'm coming down, man? I'll stay at one of those resorts. <laughs> or I don't know awesome. if you're too familiar with. I've never been, yeah. and I hear varying, depending on who you're talking to, the type of traveler. Oh, it's not that great. It's pretty dangerous. Yeah. You can only stay Fucking right here man. in this one this one resort oh, because oh. it's 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 That's pretty if dangerous. you listen to the people that shit. are trying to scare you, man. If you listen to your mother before you go, don't go off the resort. It could be dangerous. I mean, I ta- I mean, I'm a world, world traveler, and I'm fairly you know smart with all that shit. But I was just curious. Have you been down there a few times already? I assume or. Um, I've been down there once, and I'll be honest with you, I grew up in Philadelphia and New York, and I don't think it's, you know, don't go to the bad neighborhoods, and it's, like, not any different than, honestly, where I grew up, so, yeah, uh, you know, yeah, it's a little bit more sketch, and, you 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 have a less chance of somebody, like, finding your murderer, but your your chance of getting, you know, getting robbed or anything else isn't that much higher than most U.S. cities, if you look at the statistics. Yeah. The exception of a few neighborhoods in Kingston. Dude, gotcha. I, uh... Got myself a driver, and they're kind of like your escort, and they took care of everything, man. They brought me yep. to the right places. Uh, they, yeah, they took care of everything. They got me the bags that actually were were big and fat for thirty dollars, man. So I can't complain, <laughs> yep. man. Yeah, that's one thing I will tell anyone that's going down: don't buy anything near the airport. You can <sighs> buy an ounce. You can buy like half an ounce or an ounce for a hundred bucks. Dude. You can drive 30 minutes and get it like a pound for 80 bucks. <laughs> I, got, I got on a bus to go to the airport or to get from the airport. Like we got off the plane, got on a bus, and there was guys handing sacks of weed, making deals right there on the bus through the windows yep. from the outside yep. in, like yep. passing bags inside. I was like, I love this place, man. I just got here. It's pretty the other cool. Thing, the other thing I'm excited for is to get um, – the, we have the, so our one farm is kind of in between um, uh, Kingston and um, Black River, and it's not too far from Orange Hill. And up on Orange Hill, they make a ton of um, charis, and it's been a long time since I've had charis since probably since the last time I was in South America. Now, like is charis the one the one where they rub the plant and they get they they make it's like handmade hash, like hand rubbed hash, just using friction? Is that right, or is, am I yeah. wrong? Yeah. Yeah, it's the palm rolled hash. It's yeah. very similar to like scissor hash, but you can buy like a necklace braid of it for like, you know, a hundred bucks. <laughs> uh, I used to always do that, man. I have this one friend that's probably yelling at the at the radio right now because I would just be rubbing my hands together <laughs> and I'd be like, "Dude, look, man, look, it's hash," <laughs> and he'd be like, "It's just your fucking dead skin cells, you asshole, man," you know. <laughs> What up with the strains down there, actually? I had somebody, I'm kind of ignorant to, uh, I just got some seeds of pineapple haze, and it's the first time I'm growing a haze cross that'll go for 84 days in flowering. Um, are you guys looking at certain genetics that do better at that that part of the world? That's close to the, what is it? Is it always like a 12-12? How's the light cycle work in Jamaica? Please yeah, say so land race varieties, please. <laughs> <laughs> So we um, the light cycle down there is about eleven and a half to thir- I think it's thirteen, or, or maybe yeah. Wouldn't that make some strains want to go right to flowering? Yeah. So you do have to watch. Some strains just do not work there. Um, but some of your sativas actually do really well because they take so long anyway um, that they end up flowering up really nice. So we have a couple of sativa strains um, that they've start. There's actually ten guys down there that are kind of just roughing out the first part of it before I get there. Um, they got 20 ponds set up and a couple of uh, cultivars they've been working on for a little while down there. Um, we're trying to get a hold of some more. I have some really awesome CBD stuff that we're trying to find a legal way to get down there um, and some other stuff that we're working on. But, yeah, they do a lot of uh, indica-dominant stuff for that reason because the indicas tend to be a little bit more um, dialed into that. Um, the indica, most of your indica races evolved, you know, between the two tropic of cancer, the tropic of cancer and tropic of Capricorn originally, anyway. Um, so those are tend to be the ones that don't, they're a little more tolerant to that, and they don't quite, they're not, they don't quite finicky. Do you know much about hazes? 
Um, I haven't actually had a, I mean, I have one downstairs. I have a super lemon haze that I'm growing, but um, beyond that, I haven't. Uh, See, yeah. I'm going to become the haze, haze man. I know one reason people don't get in, you know, recently haven't been into hazes are actually, you know, back all the way to wherever. If you're an indoor grower, depending on the reasons you're growing, you're not going to grow something that takes 84 days to flower yeah. out, you know. Because, and that's the same here in a warehouse in Denver with hundreds of lights. When everybody's worried about the bottom dollar, they're not doing that. I, I was trying to look around on menus for a true haze, and there's not really much to be found. So They were pretty popular in the 90s, though. They really were, to be crossed. That's probably all smuggled in shit, right? Well, like, even like Sensi Seed Bank used to feature the shit out of them, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. And on, on that seed topic, if I may bring this up. Um, sure. The, uh, are, are you guys at all concerned? I, I saw a really interesting... Um, article on this the other day about um that with er cannabis being pushed more and more into the corporate world um with them a lot of your seed banks are now crossing everything with autos and only selling the autos or selling 60 percent of their websites autos now on certain websites um you know the general phasing out or eventual phasing out of photo cultivars so that they people have to rebuy the seeds from a capitalistic standpoint it seems like the ultimate that's fucked up man (laughs) <laughs> I know, I don't mean to be the, the yeah, evil... Yeah, no, I, I really haven't been paying much attention to that, man. I just you know, I just kind of get things from other people, man, usually clones. I'm not a huge seed popper with my six-plant limit, you know? Dude, yeah, I don't... That is, uh, yeah, man, that's... Whoa, we got conspiracy shit going on today, man. That's yeah. fucked up, though, man. You know, There's I guess... so many good-hearted and cool people in this industry, though, that I can only imagine, you know, then, sure, they want to try and do that, then this other grower is going to... Just, you know, get a bunch of seed out to people that right. is not, you know, auto. It could be hard for me to picture them having a com- complete control on that. Steve, I thought you were going to say the genetic, uh, the, the mapping of the cannabis genome. Because I was, we actually have an, an article I'm going to do on that. And, man, that's pretty interesting stuff. You know, there's definitely, and seed companies are, are mapping the genomes just so they know what to cross. Once they have a map, not for genetic engineering, but just so they can say, okay, dominant recessive, dominant recessive, I'll cross this and this. You know, it's given a little bit more of an exact science than it was. It used to be guesswork and, you know, observational. Yeah, I'm actually, um, I regularly talk to the one woman who's involved with that um, genome project over at CU. Um, she's actually helping out a um, friend of mine who's working on a THCV project. Um, Does she smoke weed, man? Talk- uh, I'm not going to comment. <laughs> okay. <yeah. laughs> I just was trying to just, I'm sorry, it's a terrible thing. I guess not really a terrible thing, but I'm just curious if they if they have an appreciation for the plant. But I'm sure the CU Boulder person wouldn't want wouldn't want that out one way or the other. I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I know who the person that you're talking about, um, and they're they're really good people. They've actually been working on that project for I think two years, and they're trying to document all the different um, genomes and everything so they can force it into public uh, public use, so that no company can come through, no you know Philip Morris or whoever can say, oh well, this genetic isolation. Uh, or this genetic gene or this isolation method of a terpene or whatever is is patented and you can't do it or you can't sell it or yeah. whatever, you know, just to protect growers and protect all of us. Nice. That's but what I was trying to ask. I was trying to make sure that there's good people with, uh, you know, wonder what the, motiv- what the motivation was. Yeah, so there, that's the main goal of that project is so that they can map everything so that no one can patent it so you don't have a Philip Morris or one of these other huge conglomerates. That, In fact, there's that guy over in Europe right now who's trying to do the copyright claims on the cheese strains. Um, if you guys haven't heard about that, I, I think it's Big Butter Seeds is doing the um, – the guy's copyrighted cheese, and he's sending take, illegal takedown notices to other companies. Wow. Um, but there's no legal basis for, for patenting a cannabis strain because you can't defend the genetics back three generations, and you can't patent or copyright in the U.S. because it's a federally controlled substance, and copyright law is federal. So how are you going to issue an illegal notice to someone when you can't legally defend it in court? Yeah, and I mean, that's another one of those things where there's a lot of people that are like, yo, you know, we, we you be careful what you wish for as far as federal legalization goes because it opens up the doors for these big companies to come on in. Yeah, we'll have the, we'll have the dude uh, out copywriting Hayes and, 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 <laughs> and take down notices to anyone that has Hayes. <laughs> All right, yeah, you guys, we're, we're, get, we're getting we're deep, so I'm going to get ready to wrap it I up. I love it, man. Wanna, uh, uh, yeah, great talk great for sure. Yeah, Steve, thank you, man. What a wonderful job, man. It's great Gotta talking keep- to you. 
keeping Thank touch you. down there from Jamaica. Uh, Potentponics.com is uh, Steve's site. It looks like I haven't had time to listen to it. Like an over two-hour uh, YouTube video here about called Growing Fishies podcast, Growing with Fishes, which I like. I'm sure there's a bunch of good information in there. It was you and I think was it Marty, another uh, grower. Yep, me and a, another uh, guy who's been growing aquaponics for a long time. We both grow really different techniques as far as growing in aquaponics. Um, he feeds a lot less than I do, um, and uh, you know we both have decent results. Um, but we have two different methodologies, so we kind of both take different topics from people, and and we started a little podcast um, uh, just specifically on aquaponic cannabis growing, and we also touch on the news a little bit sometimes too, but try to stick mostly to aquaponic cannabis growing. So if you're looking for you know, just um, aquaponic cannabis-specific stuff, definitely check out the podcast. Love it. You know, you've inspired an aquaponics category that's going to go up on DudeGrows.com this weekend, man. So I'm going awesome. to come out. Email you and have you uh, send me some links, man, for the first half dozen uh, videos and whatnot. Let's hook it up. Safe travels uh, down in Jamaica, and damn, you get, I, maybe that'll be the uh, yeah. It's definitely going to be. I think I'll come down there. Right, right. Let me know right when you're about ready with harvest. That'd be awesome to see a facility of. I don't even know if I call it a facility, but hey, you uh, we we got bring we got to bring uh, brown dirt down there, man. That's our cinematographer, man. Let's do it. We've been talking about it. Oh, trip. there you go. Come on, let's have some fun. Right on. All right, take it easy, Steve. Hang on the. If you will, I love to say that. It makes me feel like I'm doing a radio <laughs> show or something. Hang on the line to talk to my screener. Anyway, uh, guys, uh, thanks for hanging. Potentponics.com. Steve, thanks. And Scotty, you know, I'll be talking to you. Absolutely. Thank you, Steve. Badass, brother. Ada. Thank you guys for having me on the show. This is a. Yeah, a, 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 a this, I'll just read this to you, Scotty, real quick. It's almost like a. I don't want to say a word problem, but it's not that hard to understand. But when I first read it, I thought it was. This is Tri-County Bandit. I think he's down in uh, the old Florida. But he goes, I hear one-to-one ratios in THC and CBD are great as meds. So that would be guys, you know, THC and CBD, let's say it has whatever. 10%, 20, 10% is yeah, usually what 10 you and get, 10. Something 10 like and that. 10 of each. Yep. And he says, I know a lot of seed banks have been putting this info on their for their buyers, but here's where my question comes in. And maybe this is a question for Scotty's homie, Breeder Hank. Let's say I cop a 10-pack, non-feminized of Harlequin, just using this as shits and giggles, brah. Sure. <laughs> brah. It's just reminding me of the Volcom surfing pros going on out in Hawaii, bro. Let's go, bro. Him, I, I don't know. I think it's over now. I don't know if Kelly Slater won or not. Don't tell me. Dial it in, bro. I'm not even a surfer, but it's cool to watch. It makes me feel beach-like. All right. He goes, let's say I cop a 10-pack. We got that. I don't really know the ratios of that strain. Let's say it's advertised as a one-to-one CBD-THC ratio. Following me so far? Yes. Okay. Let's say I pop all 10. All 10 germinate, and all 10 of them are female. All right. That'd be party time. That would give you a 100%. 10 times 10. Let's also say all 10 are different phenos, which would be true to some extent or another, Ooh. even though you can't, maybe the phenotypes are so close, you can't tell the difference. Right, right. So it goes, does the one-to-one ratio change with the phenos or within their progeny? You feel you feel me on this question? Yes. You want, Tri-County Band wants to make sure we're, on, we're, we're following this shit. So how would someone really know what the fuck they're getting? Let's say some unlucky schmuck from South Florida where Prohibition is king wants to get legit meds and there's no labs. That schmuck is me. <laughs> Don't laugh, dude. Shit, sorry. I'm really laughing. That ain't funny. You either, Scotty. He just laughed. He said, you don't laugh either. <laughs> oh, man. And he goes, LOL, how can I get a hold of some of what Hank's got? Anyways, brothers, keep up the good work. Much love to you guys. In parentheses, no homo. <laughs> All right. Man, I think that what it is is that's when you average it out, you know, for the most part, when you when you uh, pop a six-pack of beans or a 10-pack of beans, for the most part, it seems that uh, variety or that strain seems to have right around the one-to-one uh, CBD to THC ratio. Maybe it's got 8% THC and 12% CBD, you know, CBD or vice versa, but it seems to be close. I think that's what you're talking. I think that's what they're talking about. 
Well, he wants to know across the phenos. I, I believe it would be different. I mean, yeah, that's the whole thing. Variation, but for the most part, it should you know, be pretty maybe close. Yeah, maybe each one varies by a couple points up or down. Because I've never tested uh, potency of different phenos. I did a grow that had, uh, I think, I had about four different phenos of man. It was feminized seed though from. Uh, now called the bank genetics it was when i was doing a bit of feminized seed with citrix and mammoth and a couple other ones but the main thing i saw was every once in a while i just i would get that runt and be like that the 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 lady that just didn't it would always be four inches five inches shorter than the others and just didn't have ever the same vigor still produce some okay bud still pretty much worth growing i didn't kill it but that's what I've mainly seen is just different vigor in the phenotypes being I haven't lab tested uh, flower from different phenos. So, I mean, what can you do down there in Florida is just grow the shit and hope it works out, you know, figure it out. And get some stabilized seeds, though, man. And I think that's what I, I am not Hank and, you know, the breeder Hank, he knows his shit. But I think the further out that they go, the more stable they are. So, you know, the F1s, are, you might get some real gem in there but they're not super stable, you know? So you might want to ask or, you know, ask around the internet and kind of learn and see what, what varieties have been really stabilized, man. But I know uh, he did, you know, Breeder Hank was talking to me about that. He was talking something about the CBD crew was what he gave me. And I want to, I don't remember which one, what the specific variety of, of it was. He actually just called me yesterday. I'll ask him. But I remember he was talking about that one-to-one ratio, man, being a really good medicine. So you are on to something there. Uh, like I said, just look for a stabilized uh, strain. You know, stabilized strain and whatever pheno you get, I would think it's going to be within a couple percentage points of where you want it. Yeah, yeah. Cool, man. Well, hopefully that helped out Tricana Bandit. And let me tell you a little about... Dude, uh, you tell him. I'm going to smoke this joint, man. Word. Yo, I'm going to do this. Grow off. Grow off. Finally, we've talked about it before, but I have just took possession of, because I'm up here in Scotty's Grow, the DGC plant, which I'm going to... It needs a little nursing. Scotty ran into a little bit, I think, of mildew and had to spray something you just had on hand, some type of fungicide that maybe effed it up a little bit. Yeah, I'm definitely recovering from I, I burnt my plants with some copper fungicide. And uh, I did get rid of the powdery mildew, man. But, yeah, I did burn the shit out of them. So. I'll bring it back full on. And what's going to happen with this plant is uh, we're going to do Brendan, actually, over at Spectrum King. Been listening in, of course. And he's like, hey, you guys have been talking about this grow-off shit. Why don't you do this? So I'm going to bring that plant home, nurse it up to health, take a couple cuts off of it, get those vegged out beautifully, uh, probably get them both in, you know, root-bound out in one-gallon pots ready to pop. And then do all that uniform at my place under a T5 eight bulb. And then when we go to bloom, I'll bring that plant up to Scotty. He's going to throw it under his, uh, I don't know what you even call it. You call it the Grow Mal Revolution Light? The Real 8, baby. The Grow Mal Real 8. Grow Mal. He's going to fucking kill us I know, for saying that. I know. Gr- the Damn Grow it. Mal's Real 8, man. It's a... Uh... <laughs> is, is your joint getting to you now? You're giggling like a little <laughs> girl. funny, man. That shit is funny. Anyway, it's a... Um, 400 watt, eight diode, uh, Cree. What is that? CXB. Dude, having multiple names is okay. You call them Grow Mouse, I'll call them Grow Mal. It's like people <laughs> call me B sometimes, like right. some of my older friend. What up, B? Before but it there would ever be was funny, a dude. man. If like somebody maybe from another country called you Bruh. Hey, Bruh. Kind of cool. I have two neighbors on my court still. I've lived where I live for six years now. One guy, because I don't give a shit, calls me Brent. And the other lady, the right. other lady, two neighbors call me Brent. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's not Brent. But I don't really care, so I've never corrected them. <laughs> right. It's kind of nice to have a few different names. I think Grow Mouse has actually like made multiple All posts right. about how to pronounce his name. All right. The Grow Mouse <laughs> Re- Real 8? Yeah, man. It's a 400 watt with uh, these Cree diodes, top-of-the-line Cree diodes. That shit's going to rock, man. All right. And, and so I mean, we're going to have one cut under 400 watt. Spectrum King and another one under the. the no, the Spectrum King's 440. So we're right on oh, with okay. our watts. That's sure. fine. <clears throat> if you want to hang a 40 watt light bulb to make yours 40 watt too, 440, I'm down. I don't, man. I just think that that fucking light is going to crush, man. 
I think that Grow Mouse, the, the type of lights that they build, man, are fucking pretty sick. And this and is shout all... Shout out to Grow Mouse real quick. I heard he has his own podcast, man, so... Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, we gotta hook it up. Check that. Well, might as well, man. The guy's good at producing shit, man. He produces those... Uh, uh, videos online. Those things are awesome. Get his man. ass up on the show. He's never been on the show, right? Why not? That is true, man. What it's the ridiculous. hell? Ridiculous. Come on now. So, anyway, this isn't going to be the most, like, I know a lot of people when you're doing these type of, well, I'm not even going to call it testing. We're just growing. So don't give me all your analytical stuff where it's like, hey, I can see that the dude has three spectrum kinks, so obviously he has a little bit of extra light coming from the light next to that one, whereas Scotty only has one light with eight chip on boards. We're just going to see how it works out. It, we're two different growers, too. We'll be using different nutrients. I don't know. We might line up on a nutrient for this one, actually. That'd be a good idea. Right. Might be, yeah. But uh, we're we're 40. Our, my bloom room is not clear. I don't even ask you about that. I'm not ready to go in my bloom room for 45 days. Granted, the veg process and the cloning process is starting now. So you can have a spot in your room? Hey, I make it fit. All right. <laughs> you can't be uh, having, yeah, you'll figure it out. But that's that's what's growing on for the grow-off LED against LED. Brendan's idea, he just came up and said, hey, like, you know, let's see. That's, always, that's, what I, that's one reason I do really like Spectrum King. He seems to be really sought on testing shit putting his lights up against other lights and just trying to be factual it's true like you know why they got so many you know enemies i'll say or people that are uh you know talking shit is because brendan ain't afraid to talk shit <clears throat> you know why he ain't afraid to talk shit because he's tired of people coming down and watering down this industry he says the biggest fight he's got to fight is people saying this shit don't work because they tried some shitty little fucking 70 watt ufo light a few years back that didn't work and now they, they think that the whole LED technology ain't there. And years ago, LED technology wasn't there, man. It's just coming on now. And guys that are on the leading edge, man, the innovators like uh, 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 like, like Brendan and Spectrum King, man, those guys have got to push through a lot of bullshit, man. Yeah. Yeah, I, hey, I used the 90-watt yeah, UFO one time and sure. all red. Or I had some T5s with it. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, man. It, you know, to, if you come out with a real legit lighting, you're saying, hey, dude, this thing can actually go up against HID lights. And then people are saying, no, I tried I tried those UFOs and I tried those Spider-Mans and they just didn't work for me, man. Then, yeah, I'm sure it, it gives you a little bit of animosity after a while. <laughs> <laughs> Some people love to blaze up the deck. Yeah, we get happy for noon. To take a little break That means we're lighting up a tube It's just weed It's just weed I like to keep the good buzz on, on, on It's just weed It's just weed In my toolbox there's a bomb Some people start their day off with a pill It's what the doctor says to do they shake their heads at natural medicine. Go ahead and try something new, new, new. It's just weed. It's just weed. I like to keep the good buzz on, on, It's just weed. It's just weed. I like to smoke it all day long. Yeah. Big man, catch you riding high Ooh, we gonna lock you in a cage, no If you wonder why he hates the dank Just look at how he's being paid Now, don't lock up me for smoking weed I ain't done nothing wrong 